Ready or not, here I come. Hi, welcome to Care to Listen. Care to Listen is a series of podcasts made by care experienced children and young people in the UK. We are travelling across the UK talking to care leavers, experts and activists in the field of childcare who are fighting for better services, rights, equality and understanding. Alright, where are we now on the podcasting road trip? We're in Newcastle, Geordieland. Where are you, man? Where are you, kids? Who are we here to see? Dr Kat Hogman. Brilliant. Look forward to hear from her. Hi. Welcome, Dr. Kat Hogman. What would you like us to call you? Dr. Kat or Hogman? Uh, can you just call me Kat, please? No Sunday names. Um, <laughs> it's lovely to be here with you, chatting to you today. Thank you. Hi, Kat. Um, do you want to start by telling us where you're from, who you are and what you do? Okay, um, I am a, I'm in my early 30s um, and I'm a care experience doctor. Um, I'm a doctor of sociology so I don't, I'm not very good at fixing bones <laughs> um, but I kind of like thinking about the world and how it impacts on how we d- kind of, how people kind of do life. Um, I'm actually at the moment a lecturer at the University of Cumbria um, where I teach on their social work programme, so I kind of supporting the next generation of social workers um, in their research skills and in their critical thinking skills. Um, I'm just hoping that they're going to be the best social workers they can be. That's excellent. This sounds really interesting. So you're not the type of doctor that takes my blood pressure? No, I'm not. Can you please tell us about your life before care? Okay, so... I went into care when I was 14, so I've got this quite a bit of life before then. Um, I grew up um, with my mum and dad and little brother. Um, my little brother's just less than two years younger than me. Um, and my mum had lots of difficulties and challenges of her own, um, which really impacted on how she was able to care for us. When I was a kid, we moved all over the place, so we used to move every three years because of my dad's work. Um, so I started off in Scotland in Edinburgh and then moved to this wee little town outside Dundee and then moved down to Hull um, and then moved abroad to Zimbabwe for three years um, before moving back to Gloucester and then moving up into the North East. So I've kind of, I kind of like to think of myself as a bit of a nomad in that sense, you know. Um, so yeah, so uh, yeah, life before care um, wasn't always, well, yeah, it was... It was, it shifted, I think. It was never stable. Things were always changing and I never knew what I was going to come home to. And I think, you know, because you, you know, don't know what you're going to come through and see what's happening with your mum when you come through that door and how she's going to be. And then that really changed how the dynamics in the household massively. Um, you know, um, yeah, and I absolutely adored my little brother. Um, I always remember thinking when I was growing up, oh, he's like my, he's my boy, he's my son, you know? Because um, I think I took on quite a lot of the care for him because my mum couldn't. Do you want to tell us about your time in care? Were there any challenges whilst you were in care? <laughs> okay, so I went into care when I was 14 um, and I hadn't been very well. Um, so I'd been in hospital beforehand because um, I couldn't really cope with what was going on at home. And it was having a really negative impact on me. 
So I was, you know, I know that lots of young people in care experience so many placement moves um, and so much disruption. And I guess in many ways I was quite lucky because I didn't. Um, I had one foster placement, um, but there was a gap of about eight months when I had to go back into hospital because um, there wasn't a therapeutic kind of environment that I think um, I really needed around me at that point. Um, and I was there till I was 16 and I had made this poster that I had over my bed about what I was going to do when I was 16. One of them was to leave care. <laughs> um, my foster carer, she was okay, but I didn't, we didn't have a good relationship. It wasn't um, nurturing or what you might hope would be a good quality relationship. And I didn't, um, I was living with some other young people in the house and I was sharing a room with some of my age, but we were very different. Um, very, very different. So this might be a little bit before your time in terms of the cultural reference, but um, she was a self-identifying chav or chava, and I was a full-on little goth, and we were sharing a bedroom. So, you know, on one side of the room, you've got this heavy metal, and on the other side, you've got all this new monkey music, all this dance music. So it was very interesting. Um, yeah, um, but it, yeah, it was, it was difficult, and I think it just made me continue to feel that things were really different and I still stood out like a sore thumb. And when I was 16, I left care. Um, I remember um, to leave care that my social worker had said, but we're not going to support this. And they gave me a leaflet for Bernardo's. And essentially what they were trying to make sure was that I think they just wanted me to be proactive. So they gave me this leaflet and within a week I made an appointment with a Bernardo's worker um, and I'm moving into support lodgings within a fortnight. Um, so and I lived with um, an older couple in a little town in Northumberland for 18 months um, and that was nice because I think there was no pretenses that they were meant to be caring for me they were keeping an eye on me they bought the food they paid the bills but I paid them a bit of rent um, but it was my space you know and so that kind of really worked for me at that point in time um, during that time, I met um, the first love of my life um, at 16, um, at college, um, you know, young love, lovely. Um, and that was that was really good. Um, and his family kind of embraced me um, and took me in as well, kind of just a bit, you know, like at Christmas um, in supported lodgings, I was, you know, I was offered some Christmas dinner to take into my room, but his family had me over and I sat down with them as part of the family. And that's what I mean, do you know what I mean, about them embracing me. So um, so that was lovely. And I went to college in Newcastle, um, but I bombed my A-levels three years in a row. Um, because I guess, looking back on hindsight, there was lots of other things going on in my head and my life that I needed to deal with first. Um, and I think I found it really hard to be with other young people because they were still at home. Um, you know, exam time came round, they weren't having to cook their dinner and do their washing and ironing, whereas I think I was tired and stressed and I had, didn't have that support. So at that time it wasn't the right thing for me. Fair enough. It's interesting <laughs> to listen to and to hear like someone else has been through a similar thing. Mm. And that you don't feel so alone when other people say, oh, I've been through this and you're like, oh, same. Mm. When going through these challenges during care, was there a certain person, a turning point, an event that specifically helped you with your challenges? Mm, 
I think when I was in care, I don't think I had, I don't think I felt like I had anyone who was special or loved me or cared for me or valued me. I think what did help was when I look back, um, school helped me, um, not so much the other kids, but the teachers, because I think when I did well at school, I got some kind of validation that I was good enough, you know, so I get that A or do you know what I mean? And that that gave me a sense of worth. I think that's so I think school for me when I was in care when I was with my parents was a big coping mechanism. I used to ask for extra homework over the holidays. So I might have been teacher's pet, but I was certainly bullied <laughs> for it. Maybe it served me right. Um so there was that. I think some of the other things is I um I love spending time with animals, so I've had pets. Hamsters were my thing when I was younger. They're lovely, absolutely lovely. And so a hammy came into care with me. Um, and the other thing I did was I remember I used to do quite a lot of volunteering as well when I was a teenager. So that got me out of the house and that got me out of the foster carer's house. Um, so I think I was always looking for escape. So reading books was another big thing. I don't know if you like reading books at all. I do indeed. Do I enjoy you? a good book. Yeah, 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 good. Uh, I have to admit, I don't think I would have survived this far in life without the escapism that fiction gives us. Um, and the things that you can learn through reading, um, not necessarily the same as real life, but you know, you get insights into life and maybe that you know other people might have felt this way and how they've dealt with it. Um, and I think as well, when I was a teenager, I was a prolific diary writer. I remember sitting at my foster carers and she had the Christmas lights on the windows and uh, my foster sister was fast asleep, zonked out. And uh, yeah, writing by moonlight, you know, really romantic, some like poetry or something, you know, just to kind of get what was inside out. Yeah. Yeah, it's very interesting. Very similar things happen mm. during care. So you said, it, I, it was just a quick comment, and I'm mm. just going to expand on it. You said okay. during school you got bullied. Yeah. So I know during, because I'm at school now, yeah. people do say comments and things get said sometimes really? about being in care. Really? And I was just like wondering how you dealt with it. So as you said, you got bullied. Do you have any like helpful hints or anything like experiences where you got like picked on or someone said something? I think I've always stood on like a sore thumb. I think, um, I think it. I think it's about their ignorance. I think it's about remembering that it's not about you. You're not the problem. It's a lack of understanding about who you are and why you might be in care. So I didn't have too much bullying because of my care experience. Um, I did have because I I was struggling with mental health things. They used to call me mad at school, things like that. Um, um, and lots of kind of comments like that and things, little digs behind your back um, about, oh, she doesn't live with her mum and dad, you know? Um, I think, yeah, I wish there was a magic wand I could give you because it's not fair and it's not right. Um, but I would remind you it's not about you, it's about them and their ignorance. So I was wondering, to do with the topic of school and academic, uh -huh. how did you achieve so much academically? So can you tell us about your PhD and how okay. you became a doctor? Okay. So I think I've kind of set and bombed out my A-levels quite spe spectacularly three times. So um, 
when I was 21, I went and did some access courses in a local community college. Um, and there was a tutor there who I'd met when I was doing one of my rounds of A-levels, um, who remembered me. Um, she was actually my sociology tutor. And she was kind of, she really encouraged me and saying that, you know, you've got potential to go into higher education. Um, and I think I think there was a real passion for the subject as well as sociology. It's kind of lit a fire in me that I kind of wanted to know more about it. You know, because I think sometimes at school you have to learn so much, don't you? And I think when I, you get that autonomy um, to follow your passion, I think that really helps you kind of dig in and work hard because it doesn't feel like hard work. Um, and all the reading obviously helps. Um, so I did those access courses and then I went, um, and then I did really, I did quite well. Um, and I got accepted into three unis in the northeast, um, so Durham, Newcastle, and Northumbria. Um, and I think um, I chose to go to Northumbria. I mean, I could have gone to Durham or Newcastle, but I didn't because I thought I was going to feel more different. I don't have those experiences of going on skiing holidays. I don't have those family resources. And I thought, well, Northumbria is a bit more kind of mixed in terms of the kind of backgrounds of people there. So I went there um, and I think I just loved it. And it was, you know, I think throughout the three years, it there was a lot of personal struggles and academic struggles. But I think because I was determined to succeed and because I was determined to show people they were wrong about me and that I was a write-off and that I would never be okay, I was really, really determined to be okay. Even if on some of the time I had to fake it till I made it. Um, but for me, and I think kind of, I had some really good tutors as well um, who were just there floating in the background, you know. They weren't, you know, swooping in and, you know, being able to massively help me but they were just there and I think knowing that they were there as a steady figures in the background really helped and it was actually my personal tutor from my undergraduate who encouraged me to apply for the PhD when it came out um, and she wanted to supervise me um, so Northumbria were offering scholarships which means they kind of pay your living expenses and your kind of tuition fees for three years um, for a PhD so um, I, I put together a research proposal about, um, I was particularly interested in looking at what happens to young people when they leave care. Because I think uh, when I started doing my PhD, there was very, very little research out there about what happens to um, care leavers over the age of 25. Um, and yet we hear such negative messages about what happens to young people when they grow up and leave care, you know, that they end up homeless or in prison. And I think some of them do, but it's. I was interested in what happens to those who don't in some ways, um, because actually because they've been okay and not been picked up in services, they're, you know, um, they've not been researched as a population in quite the same way. Um, and I thought actually there's, some, there's something really important in that and I'm sure that they've got something that they can tell us which is really, really important in terms of extending our knowledge about what it means to be care experienced across the life course. Whilst doing your PhD, what did you, what did you find out during your mm -hmm. research about, kid, about people who have left care over mm -hmm. 25? Mm -hmm. Um, I found out, I only interviewed 11 people, so I would, 
I have to be really careful and kind of emphasize that I wouldn't want anyone to generalize from my findings from my research um, but I looked at the stories that my participants told of their lives and you know um, you know because stories make us who we are the story about what we tell kind of helps us make sense of who we are and helps other people make sense of who we are so I was really keen to start to unpick some of that because there were questions around how much does the care experience dominate that, you know? And I think a lot of the labels, it's looked after young person rather than a young person who's looked after. Semantically, there's a difference. And I think young people in care get so many labels as well. So actually, how does that affect their sense of self and identity? Um I think what I found were um, 11 very amazing individuals who had all all shared this one experience of being in care, but had very different experiences of how they made sense of it. You know, so for some people, it was um, it was really good in the sense that they got a new family. You know, um, you know, I interviewed some people in their early 30s, um, and they were mum and dad. They're foster carers. You know, and they live around the corners from each other. You know, really meaningful family relationships that they've made. Um, whereas others, it was something to kind of get through. Um, and for others, it was really horrendous experience. Um, it was almost like going from one abusive situation to another. Um, but I think the main thing for all of them is that despite these really varied and very varied experiences of being in care, but also very difficult early starts in life they were all um they were all or they all had work because i talked to some people who retired so they weren't working anymore but they had worked their whole lives so you know often we talk about young people in care not having opportunities you know you know i've met people who are professionals working in various sectors of social care i've met other doctors um other researchers um i've met um, people who worked as concierges, um, gardeners, being in the military, a whole raft of life experiences. Um, and I think one of the key things was that when um, looking at adulthood, it became clear that there are so many opportunities to reshape your identity. So getting a job changes your sense of who you are and how you fit in in the world because you're earning a wage and you're paying taxes and you know, you're a valued citizen. Um, you know, um, and also becoming a parent was so transformative for so many of them, you know, um, and really, they were really, really clear about how passionate they were about being better parents and offering their children something very different to what they'd had. So there was a real kind of, you know, conscious effort on their part to do something different with their lives. So, you know, I think we often hear these really, uh, these ideas of breaking the cycle, and I think, you know, I think there is a lot of possibility for young people and adults to do that. I don't think it's a, people are written off because of their history or their family histories. I think there needs to be hope and we need to treat people with hope. So, Kat, can you please tell us about the Care Experience Conference? Okay. So, the Care Experience Conference, the first of its kind, is running on the 26th of April this year. Um, it is the um, kind of the idea and it's been brewing for many many years of um a gentleman called um ian dixon who himself is care experienced um he's a social worker um, and he's been involved in lots of improvement projects around um 
fostering and residential care and he's been quite involved I think in some of the other campaigns that have been running so it's really his baby um, that I'm kind of helping out on and it feels like a real privilege to be part of it at the heart of the Care Experience Conference is about getting care experienced people of all ages so we have places for young people in care um, young care leavers as well as older care leavers you know like me you know who don't yeah, don't shop on systems. So, but it's a real space and a real opportunity, I think, um, for us all to get together. And you know, we have this shared experience. We might have experienced different things while we're in there, but we've got this shared heritage and this shared part of our lives. Um, and I think we want to give that to look to see about building a community. We know that there's over sixty of sixty thousand young people in care, but we're all desperately kind of scattered around the country you know we might sometimes get together um, for kind of participation events but we don't tend to network and get to know each other um and so this is kind of a way of kind of readjusting that a little bit and allowing people and do you know what I would have loved when I was a young person to have known an older care leader I think I would have been stunned to even think that someone with lots of challenges and difficult start in life could turn out and hold down a job, be employable, have a family, all those kind of things. Um, yeah, um, so that's kind of what the Care Experience Conference is about. If you could say something to your younger self, what would you say? I think I would say that I know life is really difficult and dark and it feels really hopeless. I would say it's not going to get better overnight, but the future is so much more amazing than you would ever imagine. That you are going to meet amazing people. You're going to make a family of your... You're going to choose your family. Better than better family. You're going to choose who your mum and dad are, in that sense. Um, and that those opportunities are going to really transform how you start to see yourself that you will begin to see that you're worth something and that you're valuable and you have a place in the world. Really inspiring, Dave. You asked a deep question, man. <laughs> <laughs> what would I say? Have a donut. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have some coffee, have some tea, have a crumpet. Yeah, don't start smoking, that would be the other one. <laughs> so if you had a magic wand... Mm-hmm. What would you want a change for care experienced people? Okay. Yeah. I was thinking about this while we were in the car and I was like, call by me. And I thought, do you know what? If every young person in care could feel valued and loved and worthwhile, I think that would be a really good starting point. I think that's what I want for every young person in care and that they're not bad. I agree. It's a good answer. So that's all the questions that I have for you today. Fabulous. So Thank it's been you. really, really nice meeting you. It's cool meeting you too. It's been very interesting having a conversation with you and seeing what you've got to say. And uh, we, from Five Rivers, we all wish you the best of luck. Oh, thank you very thank much. you and thank you so much for inviting me along today you've been a fabulous interviewer you've been <laughs> absolutely great this is the first interview I've done thank you very much <laughs>
representing the views of people from Five Rivers Child Care Limited. Music by Rick Flow, track Hide and Seek, courtesy of Rick Flow.